Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. The purpose of this uh, hyper-racialism, this race-mongering in the classroom, has nothing to do with, you know, studying history that happened 60, 70, 80 years ago, uh, or even, you know, over a century ago. Uh, It has everything to do with promoting this Marxist idea that we're going to divide up society, we're going to divide the children into two separate categories, turn them against each other, and then use that to foment uh, discontent and revolution and eventually to build a new system. That was Alex Newman, today's guest, and we are going to be talking about education issues in the first half of the podcast and in the second half, the deep state and what uh, many refer to, including Alex Newman, as COVID-1984. It's a pandemic of the deep state. So uh, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, friends. God bless you. We appreciate you guys tuning in and the um, amazing support you've shown us just in the early part of this year we are so blessed. I mean, beyond words, it, it's just really, it's God that is getting the podcast out there. We, as Of course, we are limited, uh, humanly speaking, <laughs> but uh, thank you guys. I want to share a couple scriptures before we get to Alex and talk about some of the things today, the issues. And in Romans chapter 5, first two verses, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And dropping down to verse 8, a very familiar scripture, in fact, one that Alex shared recently, and we're going to talk to him about that, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So today's guest, Alex Newman, is back with us, award-winning journalist, educator, CEO of the Liberty Sentinel, and author of Crimes of the Educators, How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. Alex is an education writer for the Newman Report at Freedom Project Media. I was just there yesterday. An international correspondent for the New American Magazine and a contributor to other sources as well, including the Epoch Times and WorldNet Daily. Alex Newman, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you, man. Whenever I get you on, I talk. We have a couple guests from Florida, two or three guests that are regulars on the podcast. I'm always envious of your governor. So let me get that out of the way. That confession. That's you know not Christian to be jealous or envy, <laughs> but uh, go DeSantis, right? Um, some of the things he's doing. So. Alex, we played a a clip at the beginning. You know what? Wait a minute. Hold it. I wanted to uh, talk about something else first. Um, Our hearts go out to you, brother. Uh, Your dad died recently, a couple weeks ago. And um, I I can't imagine, uh, you know, it's it's just really hard anytime you you lose a family member. But you actually spoke at his memorial and you shared a eulogy, which you can get the text of it if you guys want to check it out over at libertysentinel.org. Um, Alex, uh, thank you, first of all, for your faithfulness, because sharing the gospel 
at that time when people are actually thinking about their own mortality is such an important opportunity that we don't often take advantage of. So I just want you to share your thoughts about Pops, your your dad, and uh, just that experience of uh, speaking about these things that are so important at that service. Well, thank you, brother. I opportunity. And, uh, you know, my dad was as good of a dad as anybody could ever hope for. He was just really a, a great man. And uh, I knew there were going to be a lot of friends and family there who, uh, many of whom probably never heard the gospel and um, some of whom had probably heard it before, but hadn't really thought much about it. And uh, you're right. Uh, funerals are a time when everybody is thinking about death. Everybody's thinking about their own death. Everybody's thinking about what comes after death. And uh, in today's world, especially after generations of, of dumbing us down and indoctrinating us and denying us, um, you know, biblical truth uh, from childhood in public schools, you know, people are really confused and mm -hmm. they don't know. <clears throat> They don't know what the scripture says about these things. Uh, they're interested. You know, I, I find that when death strikes, uh, that's when people are most interested and most receptive uh, to what the scripture says. And so, you know, I, I knew I had to say something <laughs> at my dad's service. And my thought was, hey, this may be the only chance that mm -hmm. uh, some of these people ever have to hear the gospel. And it's a very good time to present it. And, um, you know, you, you can weave it naturally into into a eulogy, I think. It doesn't have to be forced. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so that's what I tried to do. Um, and, you know, it, it's obviously very tough. Um, I had somebody ready to walk up there if I couldn't make it through it. But, uh, you, you know, you, you hear people through your whole lives, oh, oh, I lost my dad, and oh, I'm sorry, that that's terrible, you know, and you feel sympathy. But when it actually happens to you, you realize what those people have been going through, and it's really tough. But I think um, when you're when you're talking about your dad, it's especially easy to talk about God because the the scripture. I think the the term that is used most to explain God to us as mere mortals is as a father. Now, mm. you know, God is not everybody's father in the sense of you know we're being adopted into His family, right? Um, fellow heirs with Christ. But um, when God uses that, I, I think He does it very deliberately. Um, you know, when, when you when you have a good father, it's easy, I think, to, to get a picture of what God would be like, because you know, if, if you have a good father when you're growing up, you know that no matter what dumb thing you do, dad's always going to be there. He's always going to love you. He's always <laughs> going to protect you. He's always going to catch you when you fall. And um, so it, it just, I don't know, it just seemed natural to talk about it. And, that, and you know, I know some of the people uh, there grew up without a dad. In fact, my dad grew up without a dad and my mom grew up without a dad. So there were a lot of people in the audience who mm. grew up without a, a good dad. And, um, you know, I just thought it was important to, to say all those things, David. Oh, praise God. Well, thank you for being faithful to the gospel and sensing the urgency. I think Alex Newman, since COVID-1984 came on the scene a, a couple years ago, I think more people have thought about maybe what happens after they die, or at least they thought about their own mortality because of the fear of death. I mean, Christians are not to have the fear of death because we've not been given a spirit of fear. But unbelievers and people who do not know God, um, they naturally are afraid. They naturally think, wow, what happens if, if I die? So using these opportunities um, are so important for us. And I don't want to dwell on it too much more other than to say Ecclesiastes 7 is a verse I share when I'm asked to speak at funerals or memorials. And uh, in, in that chapter, Ecclesiastes 7, it says, um, 
verse, let's see, 6, 7. Wait a minute, where are we? No, it's earlier than that. It says in verse 2, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting because death is the end of every person and the living should take it to heart. So it's it's a, an eternal perspective. It's a, it's a gut check, heart check. Whenever someone dies, it's not for them. The memorial service is not for the person. It's for those that are still remaining alive. So I just want to share that with you guys, Ecclesiastes 7. But Alex, uh, thank you for posting the transcript of that. And friends, you can see it at libertysentinel.org, eulogy for pops. And uh, so now let's get into the ugly stuff. <laughs> now that we, we talked about eternal things and important matters, and now we're going to talk about what's happening in the government-run schools as we started off with that audio clip. First of all, what you were speaking to in the context of was, and this is confusing, Alex, this is going on in Texas. So in this particular case, and there are many, students were segregated in the class and they were shown photos of dead children. Could you please explain what on earth they could have been thinking and and why? We kind of know it's an agenda, but please provide the context for us. Yeah, well, thank you, David. And so th- this is, I think, very typical. It's representative of what's going on in these government indoctrination centers all across the country. Um, under the guise of teaching children how horrible America is and how evil and racist America is, uh, they thought it would be a good idea to segregate these children. So they put the fair-skinned, light-haired children in one part of the class, and they put the darker-skinned and darker-haired children in another part of the class, uh, and they told the uh, the lighter children with less melanin and lighter hair that they weren't as smart as the others and that they weren't as good as the others, and they gave them some toys that didn't work, and um, and they said, uh, there, see, how do you feel? And then they told uh, the kids with darker skin and darker hair, oh, you guys are better, you guys are smarter, et cetera. Uh, and I guess that was supposed to be some sort of uh, twisted way to teach little children, and we're talking very little children here, 10 years old, um, about segregation. Uh, Very, very bizarre. And then uh, they showed a a movie, a documentary, and um, there had been a a church bombing in Alabama, and a number of children had died. And uh, so they they showed these little kids, third grade, 10-year-old kids, um, images of dead children and the autopsy photos of these dead children. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, it's incomprehensible to me, David, how somebody could think it's appropriate to show pictures of dead, cut-up children exactly. to 10-year-old children. Exactly. It's, it's insane. And and it just goes to show you that the people who are running these these schools are completely out of control. Mm. Out of control. I mean, that this is something... Okay, let's back up a few steps, because if you look at what they've been doing over the last several decades, Alex Newman, they've been doing this in a perverse uh, uh, hypersexuality. They're, they're, they're promoting all these, the LGBTQ agenda, plus, 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 and they're promoting all this and, and sexual experimentation. If you get pregnant, go to Planned Parenthood. But they're trying to reach kids at younger and younger ages, so of course this is, an I guess, an evil, but a natural progression of this logic of indoctrinating the kids at younger ages. Is that right? Uh, that's absolutely right. And and all of this is delivered. It's calculated. Um, you know, the, the showing children dead children, I think it, it serves a similar purpose to the, the grotesque uh, sex stuff that they're showing children now. You know, they're, they're starting to show them what any, any person, any reasonable person would describe as pornography. These are images 
of naked people, uh, in many cases, actual images of sexual activity, images of things that are so grotesque we can't mention them on mm-hmm. this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're showing these to kids in kindergarten and elementary school. Uh, and this is exactly what pedophiles do, mm-hmm. David, when they're trying to groom children. They try to desensitize them to seeing these kinds of images, to thinking these kinds of thoughts, to hearing these kinds of words. Uh, that is exactly what pedophiles do. Uh, they try to make the kids think, oh, they, you know, there's nothing unusual about that. You shouldn't be shocked about that. You shouldn't, uh, you know, retreat into modesty when you hear terms like this or when you see things like this. Um, and, and I think it's, it's very strategic. Uh, they recognize that children have a natural modesty. You know, little girls are not interested in uh, sex things when they're that age. It, it's grotesque to them. And yet by constantly bombarding them with this stuff, um, they make them think that it's normal. They make them think that it's okay. In fact, they make them think that they're weird if they don't think that th- this is normal and that they should be experimenting. And so I think we're seeing the same agenda with showing children dead people with um, and, and, it, and it's just scratching the surface. I mean, we talk in the book Crimes of the Educators about uh, death education. They get kids to write their own suicide notes, um, you know, just to get the kids constantly in this mindset. Um, and, and the purpose is here. The, it, it's very subversive. It's very dark. Um, it, it all goes in with what they call social emotional learning, too. And uh, these are very advanced psychological techniques. You know, a normal parent sees this and they're freaked out and they think, why would you show that to my kids? What they don't realize is that it's actually part of a much broader agenda. It's not just an example of irresponsibility. Um, It is very, very sinister what they're doing. They have uh, psychological techniques and behavioral psychology that they've developed over the last century that is incredibly effective in breaking down natural defenses that uh, that we have built into us, in uh, desensitizing us to these kinds of things, and in making us receptive to to evil, to propaganda, to to all the agendas that they're pushing, whether that be promiscuity or radical left wing uh, political positions or hyper uh, racialism, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things that they're trying to foist on our kids, they, they're masters at this now and parents need to understand what's happening. Yes, and they are getting kids at younger and younger ages. And, and, you know, primetime television, when you talk about Hollywood, it's called programming for a reason. And we tend to think that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be programming when you're talking about the government school educators. Now, you said something very fascinating I want to uh, comment on. You said the things their kids are being told and shown things that are so grotesque, we can't mention them on this podcast. Of course, you know, this is, you know, Christian radio. It's a podcast that goes out to um, primarily a Christian audience. But finally, Alex, some parents at school board meetings are having the courage to actually read some of the portions of the books, excerpts from the books or the materials that kids are being shown or taught or handed down in schools, and the, the, the school boards are saying, no, stop that, that's offensive, you can't share that here, but the young kids are hearing it in the classrooms. Isn't there a disconnect somewhere? It's pretty amazing, David. We, we've had parents <laughs> arrested for reading the very same things that are being taught to elementary school children. Wow. And there's something very interesting going on, maybe interesting isn't the right word, But uh, all across this country, um, state governments have created exemptions to our obscenity laws for schools. So so if you or I, David, were to walk down the street and find a child and hand the very same material that's being presented to them in the classroom, we would be arrested and charged with a felony and we would be thrown in prison uh, for good reason. Right. There's a reason why we put these obscenity laws on the books, because people should not be sexualizing uh, and, and molesting children and assaulting children with these kinds of images and ideas. Uh, so that's why, uh, through our elected representatives, we have decided to protect our children from these kinds of things. 
And yet schools in almost every state have uh, carved out for themselves exemptions from these very same laws that govern the rest of us. And you have to ask yourself, why do these schools even feel the need to have these exemptions? And why, when legislators work on uh, getting rid of them, in fact, this battle has been raging in Indiana for quite some time now, uh, legislators and the communities have been trying to get the legislature to remove these exemptions for from giving children obscene materials in schools. And, um, and and the school boards fight back, and the teachers' unions fight back, and the, the administrators fight back, and the textbook publishers fight back. And you have to ask yourself, if, if normal people can't give these things to children, if normal people can't give these books and these images to children, uh, why should the government schools be giving these images to children when parents aren't even there to, to help them process and understand what's going on, to help give them moral guidance with respect to these things? Um, it, it's incredibly sick, David, and, and the agenda is so evil. Uh, and I think that's the reason why we see the breakdown in the family. It's the reason why we see uh, rampant promiscuity and abortion and, and uh, perversion. Um, this is all by design. It's been engineered by very wicked, very sick people. So we had Dan Fisher on the podcast yesterday, Patriot Pastor out of Edmond, Oklahoma, and we talked quite a bit about federalism in and out. We weaved that in the conversation. Um, so this is going to be a state's issue. It should be. But there is the mothership, the National Education Association. Alex, what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, we've got two and a half minutes left in this segment, but if someone on the outside, a man on the street on a park bench or in a school playground came up to kids and showed them or talked about these images or these ideas that they're actually teaching or the teachers are doing in the classroom, outside of the school, wouldn't someone be arrested or is this a state-by-state issue? Uh, it is a it is a state law issue, just like murder and rape are state law issues. If you uh, murder somebody, you'll be prosecuted under state law unless there's some rare federal nexus. Uh, but that's the same thing here. And in almost every state, it is a crime for people to hand children these kinds of materials. And in almost every state, the government schools have an exemption. But absolutely, David, you or I in Wisconsin or in Florida would be arrested for giving these materials to children. Wow. That's the truth, friends, and I, and I make no apologies for talking about this, just being straight talkers, truth proclaimers on this. I appreciate your work so much, Alex, and I've been to a couple conferences where you've spoken, and I whether it's be over Freedom Project or out in, I think, Oklahoma or Texas, um, but I'm thankful you are a part of the uh, Liberty Pastors. You're not a pastor per se, but you're uh, a man of God that's willing to go out and, and educate leaders of churches and communities on these issues that we have just been asleep on for so long. So briefly, um, I've got an email I want to share. Um, It says, David, I've listened to your podcast for a while now and love how it is Christ-focused. Our high school daughter attends a Christian classical school that prides itself on having critical thinking, but unfortunately, some teachers are pushing a more woke perspective and encouraging kids to fall in line, and then she goes on. But uh, this isn't just the government schools, because there are some other schools, private and otherwise, that are getting into some of these things. Alex, can you give a brief answer on, on what parents can do who are already trying to take the steps to get their kids educated privately or through classical Christian schools? Well, thank you, David. It's hard to answer that briefly, but I will yes. say I think homeschooling <laughs> is the gold standard. The, <laughs> the wokeness has infiltrated uh especially the elite private schools, but even now many Christian schools and many 
uh, elite Christian schools. So parents, if you're sending your kids to any school, if, if other adults are educating and discipling your children, you need to be asking some very serious questions because ultimately you are accountable to God for those children. And you're going to answer to God for, for why those children learned the things that they did. So you better be asking the hard questions and you better be making sure that you know what's going on in those classrooms when you're not there. Thank you. And I apologize for giving you that uh, tough question right before we had to take a break. Alex Newman is our guest, Liberty Sentinel, Freedom Project Media, The New American Magazine. When we come back, we're going to talk about another, uh, well, last month, I forgot it was Black Lives Matter week of action in the government schools and their concerning things that happened. And also we're going to talk about his brand new article, COVID-1984, A Pandemic of the Deep State. You're not going to want to miss this. More with Alex Newman in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. A fire will hurt you physically. It might even kill you, but the Bible teaches that there are things worse than death. And what's happening in the public schools to our children is an abomination. There's no other way to put it. They're being destroyed physically, mentally, morally, spiritually, academically. You don't have to believe me. Look at the government's own data. Right, Less than one third of the victims of government schools are proficient in anything, in anything, in any subject, okay? Let that sink in. And our churches, as I think many of you know, are being absolutely decimated, right? Our young people are leaving. In fact, I serve on the advisory board for the Nehemiah Institute. They've been researching worldview for decades. And what they have found is that upwards of 80% of Christian children from good Christian homes with married Christian parents will leave the church after 12 years in a government brainwash camp. One of my favorite journalists is with us today, international correspondent Alex Newman, and that was you speaking in Little Rock, Arkansas, at the Liberty Pastors Conference uh, just a couple weeks ago. Alex, uh, let's continue uh, warning people that really haven't gotten the message yet or think they're too busy to deal with this because their their children will be affected. Do, do you want to piggyback off anything that you just shared? Because that was a pretty good setup. Well, I, I do think it's it's just so critical for Christians and for the church to understand this. Uh, we have been deceived by the world mm. into believing that it's not only acceptable, but normal and, and proper that we should be handing our children over to the government for education. Folks, this is the same government that is taking our money and funding the mass murder of unborn babies. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is the same government that pretends that three guys living together in a, in a sodomy-based relationship is a marriage. Right? I, I mean, th this is absolutely abhorrent. And for us to, as, as Christians, to voluntarily hand our children over to these people to disciple them, to, to inculcate in them a worldview, uh, I think is is not just reprehensible, I think it's sinful. And, and you know, I'm not the first one to say that. Uh, I, I love Vody Balcom, um, and, and he's come out and clearly said, parents, I think if you're sending your kids to a public school, uh, you are sinning. And at, at the time when I first heard that, I thought, man, that's really radical. I, I don't know if I would quite go that far. You know, we have a lot of liberty in the Lord, and that's true, we do. But um, there are very clear delegations of authority. They're very clear responsibilities that God has given us. And um, we do have liberty in many things, but the raising and the discipling of our children is not one of them. We are instructed to bring up our children in the fear and the admonition and the discipline of the Lord. And uh, that doesn't mean just in the 30 minutes that you talk to them every night, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you send your kids to a government school, 
uh, over those 18, 19 years that you have that child in your home, if you're a really good, really active parent and you're constantly spending every moment you can with your children, you might, you might spend four to 5,000 waking hours with them over the course of the time that you have with them. Now, that's if you're a really highly active parent. Mm-hmm. Now, compare that to how much time the government has. The government gets almost 20,000 hours with your children when you drop them off every morning at 8 a.m. and you pick them up every afternoon at 3 or 3.30. Um, you think that in those little hours that you have your child, you think in that one hour of Sunday school at church that you are going to reverse the indoctrination and the programming that, that this government has instilled in them? Uh, I'm sorry, but that's absolute foolishness. It's not going to happen. It's going to end up um, a disaster. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, you look, uh, God tells us to look at things by the fruit. Mm-hmm. And you want to know what the fruit of this system is? Yes. Look around you, okay? Mm-hmm. Our society's collapsing. Our families are collapsing. Our churches are being decimated. Uh, our civilization is on the verge of going over the cliff. Uh, our, our babies and our grandbabies are, are being murdered by, by their own parents. Uh, we're about to get sucked into a world war. The economy is collapsing. I mean, this is the direct result of allowing the government to educate. Uh, right now, I think it's 73 or 74 percent of our children. And if we continue to do this, folks, I'm telling you, there is there are going to be consequences. There are going to be extreme consequences, and we are not going to like it. Mm, thank you for speaking so plainly and straightforward, Alex Newman. Um, we just have to touch on this article real quick about kindergartners. And this is these are just the ones we're aware of. There's so many across the country that we probably don't even know about. But during Black Lives Matter Week of Action in the government schools, uh, they were forced to march and chant Black Lives Matter. And as one person said in the article, the younger the better as far as proponents of Marxist theory are concerned. How do they think this is education? Yeah, well, they they have a totally perverted view of education. That's a big part of the problem. Um, When you go to these colleges of education that the government operates, uh, they're brainwashing teachers into believing that turning your kids into God-hating, family-hating, America-hating revolutionaries is education. Of course, that has nothing to do with education. If you read your Bible, you'll find out what education is. God uh, very clearly explains at least the basics. You know, he, he doesn't uh, break down uh, by hour every subject you need to be studying, but we know some of the basics, right, in Proverbs. Proverbs 9.10, Proverbs 1.7, we read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the the very fundamental basis of an education is the fear of the Lord. And yet there's nobody in this country with a brain, whether pro or antichrist, who would try to argue that these schools are teaching the fear of the Lord. In fact, you can't even mention the Lord in these public schools. And uh, what should we expect? That's exactly what we see. And I think uh, our Lord said it very clearly and very plainly. He said it twice. uh, It's quoted once in Luke and once in Matthew. Uh, Whoever's not with me is against me. And folks, uh, I dare you to try to argue that these public schools are with Christ. Thank you. Um, And you say it's it's being bankrolled by America's largest corporations and billionaires. And it's under this DIE idea, diversity, inclusion, and equity, and even in places, as the article states that you wrote over at uh, the Newman Report Freedom Project Media, it says uh, even extremely conservative districts such as Iowa and others, South Carolina and ever, everywhere in between. So a lot of parents, Alex, would say, you guys might be right. Alex, I know you, you do your research. You're a, a true journalist. 
in the original sense of the word, and we know this is happening, but in my school or my child's school, how do you respond to that? Yeah, and and I can't tell you how often I used to hear that, David. I, I traveled all across this country. I, I loaded up my family in a travel trailer, and we drove 27,000 miles. We hit, I think, 45 states, uh, and I spoke in almost all of them, uh, in churches, political groups, and everything. And and especially in the small little rural towns, you know, going through Nebraska, you got a school district with like 400 people in it. Oh, yeah, we know the principal. He goes to our church. There's no problem. And then you get to talking to him. Like, oh, well, yeah, no, of course, you know, we, we don't actually pray. No, 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 we can't have the Bible in there. You know, there'd be a federal lawsuit. Oh, no, well, of course, we have to teach that because that's part of the standards. And, mm. you know, the State Board of Education has determined. So, folks, every government school in this country is teaching this filth, no exceptions, uh, even in small rural communities. And, uh, folks, you, if you look at the teachers who are coming in, now, there are plenty of great Christian teachers who are trying to be salt and light, but they're in a system that is absolutely toxic and corrupt. And yes. what's happening is... Uh, the, even these rural school districts are hiring uh, people with degrees in education from state universities where they were indoctrinated and radicalized for a period of years. Um, you can't hide from this. I don't care where you are in this country. We have a uniform national system of indoctrination, and you can't escape it by moving to a small town. Thank you, Alex, for providing a perfect balance there, saying that there are some good teachers trying to do their best, even Christian teachers trying to be salt and light, but you say they are in a system that is toxic and corrupt. I don't think most Bible-believing Christians, anyway, would disagree with that. So before we go on to your article on COVID-1984, Pandemic of the Deep State, let's talk a little bit more about how even private schools— um, if they take federal money or grants, they could still be uh, tied to the same old Marxist curriculum that government schools are. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, and, and this agenda is sneaking into private schools through a variety of different ways. In fact, I just interviewed uh, last week a gentleman by the name of Paul Rossi. Uh, Rossi. He came out of uh, Grace Christian School in New York, a very, very elite school. He told me it cost $57,000 per year per student to send your children there. So you get a sense of uh, the, the elite uh, caliber of this school. And uh, he said it is absolutely infested with this race mongering, with this Marxism, with this white privilege nonsense, with the critical race theory. Mm. Uh, and he spoke out and he was relieved of his duties for that. And so now he's exposed. He, he's, he's become very prominent. He's been in you know the Wall Street Journal. He's been exposing all of this. And uh, he says that the National um, Association of Independent Schools, which is kind of a North American um, accrediting and and association for these very elite private schools across the country and even into Canada, uh, that they're pushing this in there. But uh, you you said something really important, and I, I can't emphasize this strongly enough, David. A big part of the reason that a lot of our schools are going woke, and and this is going to accelerate in the years ahead if we're not very, very careful, is the government money. Mm. Uh, You know, my dad always used to tell me as a kid, with federal aid comes federal control. And he meant like, hey, I'm paying your bills, and so you do what I say, (laughs) right? Um, But but that's what he said. With federal aid comes federal control. And of course, he was federal. Uh, And so... Uh, he's absolutely he was absolutely right. And uh, we actually witnessed this happening in Sweden. Uh, my wife is from there. So we lived there for most of the last decade. And same exact rhetoric. The government said, oh, well, you know, we, we think that uh, private schools should be able to get tax money. We think the money should follow the child. And, uh, and that way, parents can choose. There will be school choice and everybody's going to be happy. And so that'll be wonderful. And that worked fine for a couple of years. And then in 2012, 
the government said, oh, well, you know, now that all this tax money is going to all these private schools, we're going to need some accountability. I mean, we can't have schools teaching kids that the Bible is true. I mean, that's ridiculous. Who, mm. who could believe something so silly? And so they said every school that takes government money, which at that point was every private school in the entire country except one, the one where the aristocrats, uh, actual aristocrats, Sweden still has an aristocracy, send their children. And so at that point, it became illegal to operate a Christian school. No more Bibles were allowed in schools. No more prayer was allowed in schools. They all had to teach the insane government curriculum that teaches first graders that they might have been born in the wrong body and that gender is all in your head and blah, Mm. blah, blah. So I think there's a very real risk that we'll see that here in America, David. There are totalitarians chomping at the bit to do that here in our country, and we need to be very weary of them. Well, Alex Newman, one of the good things that came from COVID-19 84 <laughs> is that it it led to a record amount of kids that almost a home a uh, public school exodus but not quite but into the homeschooling movement and uh, then there are decisions to make on how to homeschool so there are some good things happening more christian families have chosen to homeschool now and i give them a lot of credit if you're listening right now i i know your job must be very very difficult uh, especially with this new transition now, if you're just learning how to homeschool now. But Alex, your new article over at The New American, COVID-1984, A Pandemic of the Deep State, uh, starts about uh, saying that COVID has already helped the deep state, which is the invisible government behind the scenes, accomplish or advance multiple key objectives. And you talk about an infrastructure that was laid down during the pandemic hysteria, and it's still in place. And here's something you said I think is important. It can and likely will be reactivated to deal with the next supposed crisis. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, thank you, David. And I I think people who think that everything's gone back to normal now are not paying attention, and they didn't see what was being erected all around them. Mm. Um, All of the machinery of tyranny that was unleashed on us during the COVID pandemic uh, is still there. Right. Um, All of the apps on the phones, all of the um, scanning things to go in into uh, different stores, right, to have to show your proof of vaccination, to go into restaurants and things. All of that is still there. Uh, The mindset of these totalitarians is still there. Um, In fact, even the vaccine passports, um, people think that that issue has kind of gone away. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, They are fully intending to bring that back. In fact, the World Health Organization right now is working on uh, harmonizing these systems at the world level, at the global level. And um, all of this effort to strip us of our liberties has really been formalized. Now, there have been some states that I think have done the right thing, and they've passed laws saying, look, that's never going to happen again. We're never going to allow that again. In fact, we're stripping the governor of these powers that he usurped during the uh, crisis, and we're making it clear that there is no authority to do that. But uh, in most of our states, all of the legal rationales are still in place. All that needs to happen is an emergency needs to be declared. And if you listen to the maniacs that put us through this, they're openly telling you. I mean, look at Bill Gates. He's openly telling you that the next pandemic is coming. It's going to be even worse than that one. He's got a book about it coming out for crying out loud. So these people are not done trying to make you into a slave. They realize that a pandemic or a pandemic was a very effective way of doing it. So expect another probably sooner rather than later. Now, I printed out this article, and I know it, it varies depending on what what printer you use and uh, maybe what you're using on your computer. But it's 16 pages. It is extensive. 
And Alex, I don't know that I'm exaggerating when I say I, there may be more on in the article that's highlighted than is not. So I just want to ask you piece by piece here as we go through some of this. Um, I want to talk about what what you're saying led to censorship, and we we can all relate to this in some way, I believe. You say not only did the tyrannical COVID countermeasures prove devastating to public health, they shattered the economy and stifled whistleblowing experts in unprecedented ways. And Alex Newman, we've never seen this in our country's history where an opposing view, disagreement, would be shut down even when people had facts like some of these doctors and those who were truly following the science were being prevented from speaking. So please share your thoughts and concerns about that, as you mentioned in the article. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we, we saw a level of censorship and social control that is, as you pointed out, completely unprecedented in our nation's history. I mean, we, we've always had, uh, or not always, but at least for the last century, we've had uh, a media that has uh, made a habit out of trying to deceive the American people. So that's not new. But we could always talk to each other, right? And then with the advent of the Internet, uh, it became even easier for us to talk to each other yes. and for us to share truthful information. Well, uh, during the COVID pandemic, uh, we entered into a whole new world of censorship where the algorithms were actually built to silence uh, ideas and facts that the establishment did not want heard. And all of those mechanisms, folks, are still in place. Um, to this day, you still cannot ask certain questions on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, in fact, they have automated systems. They have algorithms that will detect the things that you're saying and that will actually prevent you from saying them and even punish you by potentially even shutting down your account and in serious cases, even reporting you to the government. Hmm. So uh, this is incredibly dangerous, David. And I tell people, again, the, the tyranny didn't go anywhere. It's just kind of bubbling behind the scenes right now. But uh, all of those systems remain in place. And if we don't fight this, um, they're going to come back, and they're going to come back with a vengeance. Alex Newman is our guest today, and when we come back, we're going to continue uh, about this article on different types of tyranny that he lays out and explains the economic tyranny, tech tyranny, and total surveillance tyranny, medical tyranny, which is we are most familiar with. But we've got more to talk about with Alex Newman. He writes for The New American, a lot of great articles there, plus the Liberty Sentinel. More on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. At TheNewAmerican.com, Alex Newman writes, COVID-19 is helping usher in the Great Reset, a plan to enslave the global population under techno-feudalism, formulated by elite power brokers who openly admit their motives. So, Alex, let's talk about, I'm a writer, and I, I'm learning from some of the best, and uh, that is a term that I have not been familiar with. Could you explain what techno-feudalism is and how it applies here to what's going on in America? Well, thank you, Dan, and I don't know that that's a real term. I, I may have just come up with it, or I may have read it somewhere, picked it up, and, and not thought about it, but... Um, you know, feudalism is, of course, the, the economic system that uh, was kind of dominant in large parts of the world, not just Europe, uh, for thousands of years. 
uh, it's basically a pyramidal structure where you've got uh, the leader at the top, you know, a king or an emperor or whatever. Um, and then under him, he's got basically his minions that help him to administer the rest of the population, barons, lords, you know, whatever uh, term they may use. And then underneath, you've got the serf class. Uh, and, and one of the things that distinguishes feudalism from, say, our modern world is that serfs really don't get to own anything, right? Serfs um, exist at the pleasure of their superiors. So if you're a loyal serf, uh, your lord might let you uh, op- operate a little farm on a little piece of his land. And as long as you surrender half of your crops, um, you know, you can keep the other half and you can kind of mind your own business and, and be there with your family. But if he demands that you go off to die in some war, if he demands that you hand over a larger percentage of your crops, if he demands, I don't know, say your wife, um, you know, you don't have a whole lot of say in the matter. Mm. Uh, that's feudalism. And, uh, you know, we, we like to think that we're so sophisticated and civilized that we've left those, uh, you know, dark days of tyranny behind us. Mm. But unfortunately, that's not the case. The totalitarians uh, still miss those days. And if you look at the World Economic Forum, um, I think to understand what's going on, you have to look at the World Economic Forum. Yes. Uh, they are now openly floating this idea that uh, by, the, by the year 2030, you're going to own nothing. Right, but you're going to be happy, they say. And, and I don't know exactly how they do that. Maybe they drug us up. They give us Soma. I don't know. Uh, something to, <laughs> to keep us happy, even though we're serfs. But they're talking about really the reinstitution of serfdom. Mm. Uh, they don't mean nobody's going to own nothing. Right. Uh, they're going to own everything and you're going to own nothing. Right. So you combine this old economic and political system of serfdom with the technocratic machinery that is being built right now with the crazy technology that's being unleashed on us. And, uh, and and that includes everything from the surveillance to the censorship to the manipulation to the algorithms that determine what you see and what you buy to even now, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, talks a lot about what he calls the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you listen to him, this is not my opinion. This is what he says in right. his books and his, in his speeches. Um, you're going to be merged with technology. Yeah, he, he has for years been touting this idea that we're going to be sticking microchips into our skulls that are going to be fused with our brains, that we'll be able to read our minds, that we'll be able to transmit that information to the technological systems that are being developed. And um, these people aren't messing around. So so when I say techno-feudalism, uh, I, I mean that in the truest sense of the term. Uh, we're heading into, if these elites get their way, uh, a technocratic system where you will be a serf at best, right? And that, that assumes that you're allowed to survive. Uh, these totalitarians also have got it into their heads that there's too many of us and that uh, the population needs to be dramatically reduced. Again, that's not my opinion. These people say this in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- these are bad people, David, with a very evil agenda. In fact, I think it's safe to say this is satanic. This is diabolical. Yes, it is. And we must resist. Yes. And it's interesting. Some of these ideologies are imploding. If you think about the idea that has been promoted over the last decade or two about, about equality, I, I, what you just explained seems to be one of the most unequal, uh, the things that would produce inequality because you've got the power elites owning it all. And it's just amazing that they, there's just so many contradictions in these worldviews. Um, but let's go back to something you wrote in the article and you're just quoting Klaus Schwab saying that the pandemic offers an unprecedented opportunity that should be seized to reimagine our world. And every country from the U.S. to China must participate in every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. 
Um, Alex, these are words that, that, that you can look up in quotes in their speeches or in videos. And people, I think, sometimes still are too naive and they're thinking this is grandiose and, oh, they'll never be able to do this. But I hope more people are catching on. What are your thoughts? Well, I hope more people are catching on, too. But very few people, unfortunately, understand the, the full agenda that these people are talking about. Uh, you know, I think part of it is you need to read your Bible. I don't think you can understand what's happening in the world today without reading your Bible. Mm. And part of it is you need to understand what the enemy's up to. You know, in, in fact, Paul says, uh, you know, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And, and as Christians, we should not be. Uh, it doesn't mean we need to obsess over them, but it means that we need to have a decent understanding of what the enemy is doing so that, um, you know, we can protect ourselves, protect our churches, protect our children and our families from that, um, using the Word of God as our offensive weapon, the shield of faith, uh, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And so I, I think it behooves Christians to pay attention to what these people are doing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we, we don't just need to go stick our heads in the sand like ostriches and pretend like everything's fine. It's not. And if you want to know what these people are up to, they will tell you. Just yes. Read their books. Uh, you know, I, I quote quite a few of them in this article. Yes. And I want to just share another quote under the section Economic Tyranny by Alex Newman in this article. Global lockdowns crush small businesses and the independent middle class while centralizing power in the hands of government and mega corporations. Insiders exploited the economic chaos to unleash unprecedented government spending and currency creation, moving away from the free market toward fascism or what the World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab and the Rothschild banking dynasty deceptively refer to as stakeholder capitalism. Would you please explain more about stakeholder capitalism? Well, I think the first thing to know is that it's not actually capitalism, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, capitalism itself is, is a misleading term. In fact, it was developed by Marxists to imply that their system was interested in society and the free market system was only interested in benefiting and supporting capital, which is absolutely untrue. Um, you know, as Christians, we need to understand what the Bible says, and the Bible prescribes a free market system. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. That means you have a right to your private property. Hmm. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat, right? So uh, the Bible prescribes a free market system, uh, which has come to be known as capitalism. This idea of stakeholder capitalism, though, is very different. Uh, this, I think the, the closest comparison is probably fascism. Uh, and, and yes, I choose my words very deliberately. Uh, fascism, whether we're talking the national socialist variety that Adolf Hitler implemented or Benito Mussolini's fascism in Italy, um, what defined fascism was the merger of state and corporate power. So in a true free market system, uh, companies and businesses look after, uh, in fact, in America, they're still required to look after the best interests of shareholders, right? Uh, the owners of that company, the job of a company is to make money for shareholders. Mm. How do you make money for shareholders? You do that by serving your fellow man, by producing goods and services that people are willing to voluntarily purchase. Right? So even though we're fallen and sinful and wicked, God has designed a free market economy so that we have to serve each other, whether we want to or not. Right? You want to make money? You better do something. You better bake bread. You better uh, teach. You better make art. You better do something that your fellow human beings want or you're going to starve. Mm. So God designed this beautiful system. Well, under stakeholder capitalism, companies no longer worry about their customers or their shareholders. Instead, companies are supposed to worry about what the stakeholders want. And the stakeholders are the non-governmental organizations and the government itself. 
And so right now they're unrolling, uh, unveiling this, this monstrous system they call ESG, mm-hmm. Economic, Social, and Governance. The SEC, in fact, has just proposed these rules in the last couple of weeks where every company is going to have to disclose how they are worrying about climate change, how much CO2 they're emitting, what kind of woke policies they're pursuing, how much diversity they have on their boards. Uh, so instead of worrying about how do we best satisfy our customers so that we can make money for our shareholders, <laughs> they're worried about how do we do what the government wants us to do. Yes. This is exactly what the fascist economic system was about. You could still own your factory in Nazi Germany as long as your factory produced what the Fuhrer demanded that it produce. That's what we're moving into right now with this monstrous vision of so-called stakeholder capitalism. Thank you, Alex. We'll hear a lot more about ESG in the days and months to come. But let's shift just a little bit now. And since you're up to speed on a lot of these things, which we sometimes have a hard time discerning and deciphering what news you can believe when it comes to what's happening on the global stage. Uh, we know what's happening at home. In your article, you say Biden administration issued a national terrorism advisory system bulletin painting skeptics of the medical tyranny as a terror threat. And now they're they're redefining or, um, th- yeah, they're really setting a new standard of what is misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Now they're just simply calling MDM. But let's talk about how this is a- affected on the global stage. You mentioned also in the article that some of these leaders, Biden is one that follows in lockstep with the World Economic Forum. Of course, Justin Trudeau, the radical tyrant up in Canada, and a lot of our listeners are in Canada, by the way, including Red Pill Prince and Harbinger's Daily. Um, But what about uh, Zelensky over in the Ukraine? People have wanted to prop him up and and almost not idolize him, but I admire his courage in wanting to fight for the people, but that government is corrupt, and he is one of the disciples of, in fact, one of his mentors is Justin Trudeau. Share your thoughts on that and how that plays into what's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think Justin Trudeau is clearly a tyrant. I call him Justin Castro for more than one reason. <laughs> and um, he has now shown the world his true colors. He mm-hmm. is a raging totalitarian. He's on video saying the system he most admires is the communist Chinese system. Didn't mention the fact that they have murdered more people than any other government in all of human history. But he admires them because they can snap their fingers and demand investment in solar panels and presto, solar panels appear. And Zelensky, of course, said that uh, he got into politics because he was inspired by Justin Castro. So this is uh, very problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot more to Zelensky, too. Uh, you know, first of all, he's radically pro-abortion. I mean, if he were in the American political context, he would be on the far left wing of the Democrat Party. Uh, he supports big government. He supports globalism. He's a radical proponent of the LGBT agenda. Again, yep. He's a big-time abortion supporter. He's on video strutting around in high heels and tight leather, yep. uh, dancing around naked, doing perverted things. And one little fact that I think is interesting, his entire political career is the product of a TV show that was put out on a media channel owned by a very shady oligarch, a Ukrainian oligarch with close ties to Russian oligarchs named Ihor Khodomoysky. And Ihor Khodomoysky uh, should be an infamous name in the United States. Unfortunately, it's not because we don't have a legitimate uh, media anymore. But Ihor Khodomoysky was also the owner of Burisma Holdings. Burisma Holdings is the company that put Hunter Biden, the crackhead pervert, on its board and paid him $50,000 a year with a cut for the big guy, quote unquote, even though he had no experience in energy, solely for political corruption and political connections. 
So it's a small world once you get to the levels of the elites. And see, these are all things that should be basic, universal knowledge yes. among Americans if we had a legitimate media, but we don't. That's right. And, and we absolutely don't. So thank you for clarifying that. People have a hard time believing some of what you just said, but they can look it up. There are sources out there, friends, and do your own research as well. You don't have to take our word for it. Um, Alex, in the upcoming uh, New American, I believe, didn't you interview Dr. Robert Malone uh, if, in that issue? Uh, in fact, Dr. Uh, Dr. Robert Malone and I both each wrote one of the cover stories for okay. that issue. So he's got an article in there about the uh, injections and the Great Reset. I've got the article in there about the pandemic of the deep state. But I have interviewed Dr. Malone. We have interviewed okay. him uh, at the New American and a uh, very interesting character who actually came up with this RNA technology that's in the injections. And now he's telling you at the top of his lungs, don't take it. <laughs> isn't, isn't that amazing? And yet people don't want to listen because they made up their minds early on in uh, this pandemic. And, and just so sad trying to convince people now, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. But, you know, some yeah. some. Uh, transgender with purple hair at Facebook headquarters uh, can can label what he says as misinformation and censor it from the internet while the guy who actually invented the technology is silenced and demonized. It, uh, it's truly amazing, David. But I do encourage people to, to go watch those interviews, to go read those articles. Um, the information literally might save your life. Yes, thenewamerican.com. Uh, Alex Newman, thank you so much for just all the work you do, brother. We just really appreciate your voice and I encourage you guys listening to pray for Alex, for him and his family, and his protection when he goes out on the road and speaks, because there is spiritual warfare involved whenever you're standing up for the truth. Brother, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, brother. God bless you, too. Tomorrow you will hear from James Simpson, an author on a new book, Who Was Karl Marx? And Dr. Andy Woods is back with us on Thursday. Can't wait to talk to him and uh, check out his latest pastor's point of view. And James Taylor is back with us on Friday. That's the doctor, not the musician, a singer. But guys, thank you so much again. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.